Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. I wanted to read a couple of things. I normally don't read this, but I think I am. But first, I'm going to talk to you about, we're going to talk about angels tonight. And you say, don't you ever get tired of teaching that? No. (laughs) You know, I'm at a point in my life where I realize, whether they realize it or not, every church I go to, that they don't even have the revelation of the book of Genesis yet about angels. That that was filled with angelic help from God, and even in Adam's life. You know, because he's so messed up, he would have been back in there and ate of the tree of life and lived forever in a uh, lost state. We'd have never been born again. But there was an angel right there to take care of things, and he said, don't let him come back in here. Yeah. I mean, see, angels were a part of the beginning, and they're still a part now. In fact, just recently, I would say in the last year, I saw some angels come from heaven. I'd never seen them before. A group of them. I, I didn't count them, you know, but I saw them, and it was a big group of them. And they've come in this last day to help us. They've already been helping us that knew something, like myself and some of you. But this is another day, a new day. You know, Pastor Nancy was so gracious, and she, she said this about me. I just want to read it because it means something to me that she would say that. Uh, she said, uh, when Ed, she called him Ed, Dr. Frank, got off an airplane, the Lord told him to turn around, and he saw a hundred angels, two and two, behind him. Ed asked what the angels were for, and the Lord told him these are angels that work with you in your healing ministry. Well, sometime later I asked the Lord about those angels because we know that they're still in the earth. And I've said that before 25 years ago. The angels that are assigned in the earth, they don't go to heaven. Right now they're not because their assignment is planet earth. And I don't don't know if you realize that, but you need to be appreciative. You know, I thought about this recently because I saw a special on the, uh, what's the guys that take care of our president called? Secret Service, and they were going real elaborate, and it was like, you know, it's a film, uh, and it said that, you know, we have to change shifts because we want to be ready for any kind of thing that would occur, and those guys are highly trained. They know how to hurt you bad or kill you if you get in the way. You're going to take our president out. They're going to defend him. You know that? Yeah, and sometimes get killed in the process, but my point was they were on shifts. I was watching that show, and I said, praise God, we got better than Secret Service. You know, I found out angels don't ever rest. So the angels that protect us, they're always with us 24-7. Maybe you didn't see them, but that's not the point. You don't have to see anything to believe. Jesus said, blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. Yet believe what? What the scriptures teach. Anyway, so he saw these angels, and he's, and he's, she, he's talking to Pastor Nancy right now, Lord. And he said that 50 of them were assigned to my ministry, Pastor Nancy's, and others were distributed among the men that were most closely connected to Ed and his ministry. Dr. Jacobs is one of those men. Dr. Jacobs' ministry is the closest to Ed's that I've seen of anyone. We have a real gift here. It's just, and I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just telling you what she said. Uh, you know, you have to stay humble. You don't get anything. Unless you, you start thinking you're somebody, then you're just done. You might still go through the motions, but you're not doing nothing. You always got to be humble. Not put yourself down. I don't mean like that. People talk negative against themselves. That's the one of the dumbest things you've ever done to yourself. Yeah. I was with a pastor one time, and he mentioned his culture, and he said, I'm just a dumb so-and-so. I was with him in the car. I just met him. Didn't just meet him, but I'd known him a little while. 
He didn't know me too well. I said, Pastor, listen, I'm not getting on you, but don't talk like that to yourself. You're destroying whatever you have in Christ by talking like that. I know you feel insecure about it, and I know what, all those feelings I've had, those too, but you've got to get over on the right side of things. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. How could you be no good if you were that? Anyway, he said I got him delivered over a period of time, and things. And I asked, he said, you want to go shopping? I said, what do you got? And he said, a couple of stores, and he said, Nordstrom's. I said, yeah, do you go there? He said, no, not really. I said, would you take me? Yeah. So we went in there, and I, I was just working on him a little bit. You know, Dad worked on me one time. said, if, if you, you feel insecure going in Nordstrom's, go in there and just lay on the marble in the men's room until it gets in you. <laughs> and it's still a special store, but not the same level it was back then. It intimidated me. I know you're never intimidated by anything. And it's never about the money either. It's never about you having stuff. It's about you loving God with all your heart. But if we really know how much God loved us, we wouldn't settle for what most of us have. Because you, you feel insecure. Well, I don't know if I deserve that much money. Well, if you don't think you deserve it, you're not going to have it. I can tell you that right now because you're not talking right to get it. And it's not just about the money, but when you're like me, I give away about 90% of my money. I'm not going to brag about that. Just, I learned something. I live on the given side of life. I don't keep coming over here. Where's my money? Where's my money? I just live over here and have a great time doing it. Amen. And this always comes with that. Yeah. It's not giving or receiving. It's giving and receiving. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let me see here. Pastor Nancy said, in the prophet's office that he stands in, talking about me, I would say his anointing approaches my husband's most closely than any other, not to say or to make a negative comparison, but to make an observation. There is such likeness there because of the years of him being connected with this ministry and receiving of my husband's ministry. You can certainly see the earmark of that. Praise God. Then she talks some about my healing anointing down here. Well, it's precious, precious. They, they put it on paper for me out there. After One of the people that worked there, they knew we'd like to have a copy of that. All right, now let's start about something here. Let's, let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. And uh, you say, well, you know, I think I've heard you teach on this. Well, good. I'm just putting rebar in you tonight and pouring the thing again so it'll set up harder. Yeah, I got to say this. I, you know, I learned some things over years. I used to say a lot of things. I quit saying some of the things I used to say. But this would be the way I would approach people if I had opportunity. If I had a mic and it's by the front door and you came in our church tonight, I maybe I'll ask you two questions. You believe in angels? Put the mic out there. Oh, my gosh, yes. I believe in them all the time. Uh, could you give me one example where you spoke to an angel or prayed to an angel and he brought to you or did for you what you asked him to do? Just one, of it, just one time. And that's what I get. Nothing. I'm just showing you that by way of what, how I think because I'm right about this. So I have to say to them, you don't really believe in it. You just believe about it. If you don't have any action that's helping you, there's no point in me teaching it to you. You're not listening. You don't get it. So I'm not ashamed to teach the same thing 5,000 times to people until they get it. Doesn't bother me a bit. I get stronger every time I teach it. I get new revelation every time I teach it. You know, I found out earlier when I was not as mature as I am now. I'm still working on myself. I got a long way to go. But if I prayed a certain way and it worked 27 times in a row or 127, I didn't throw it away. 
I didn't think I was too big to go back and pray like that. I just kept praying like that. If it's working, I keep it working. But you've got to be able to answer some of those questions like I'm posing to you. Because if you don't have fruit of that, then it's evident that you're not connected to it. That's true of anything. Your faith, you say, well, I believe this and I believe... I've had people just, you know, get real angry with me about it. Well, you just teach all the time about faith. Well, what do you teach about? If faith is what pleases God, that should be enough for you. If you're going to please God, you're going to have to walk by faith. And you're going to have to deal with things you can't see at first. And sometimes you maybe never see anything in the natural realm. It can still happen, though you didn't see it happen. But it changes things around you and all that. Okay. So I wanted to start out by saying, Brother, Brother Hagen, I took some notes here. And it says, a prophet is one who has visions and revelations. See? Let's go over to second. Oh, you already asked you to stay at Hebrews. Will you put your finger there and go back to Second Corinthians 12 for me, if you don't mind? Second Corinthians 12. And I want to add a comment here because the Lord started dealing with me about this when, when I was 60. That was 13 years ago. And he said, Michael, I want you to start sharing your visions with the church. You know, when you travel and stuff, and it's your home church. And I said to him, all of them? He said, no. I said, well, I really don't want to do that. And, and he said, well, why? And it's, as I just, this is how I am. You, you can make fun of me if you want. I said, well, I think you already know. Why do I need to tell you? He said, because I want you to say it with your own mouth. Okay. I just don't want to do that because it's a holy moment when I talk about things like that. And I said to him, you know, I was married. You know that. Same woman, almost 50 years. And I never talked to any other human being about our romance on the earth. Just you. Because it was holy to me. Our relationship was holy. I don't know if you're listening or act like you're listening. And I wouldn't get up and talk about my wife in that attitude to other people because it was none of their business. <laughs> he said, yeah, but that's a different thing. I understand what you're saying, Michael, but I want you to share the visions I tell you to share. And again, I said, I really don't want to do that. I just feel awkward about it. He said, well, get over it. It's either that or else. I'd be glad to do it. Because I know if I argue more, I'm going to get myself more out of line with him. And he's already displeased because I said what I said to him. Why do I got to say it? Because you already know, you know, type of thing. I don't know about you, how you talk to God. I talk to him as he's just my sweetheart, too. You know what I mean? He's, he's everything. But it just, it, I had struggled with that. I don't know about you, how you feel. Like, maybe you feel like you would have done everything different in the visions I had. Maybe you would have. I, I pray that you were smarter than me. But it just bothered me to have to get up. Now, some, I know more people in this church than most churches I go to. But still don't feel comfortable sharing it sometimes. But I have to get over that and crucify my flesh. Whether you understand it or don't understand it, or you think you would have done something different, that's fine. But you're not me. <laughs> okay. Now, 2 Corinthians uh, 12 and verse 1. I may read for a few verses here, maybe after one. It is, it is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come, this is Paul writing, I will come to visions, plural, and revelations of the Lord. So Paul said there he has visions and revelations of the Lord. And then he said, I knew a man. I think that man was him. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, or whether uh, God knoweth such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. 
See, I read that one time years ago before I'd had any of those types of things, and I couldn't figure out what he was talking about until I got out of my body. I've been out of my body several times now. And so I knew what he meant, because if I got out of my body and stood over here, I would still be Michael. I could talk, touch, hear, see. All those things are still operative in my spirit, man. Now, my body's over here, but I'm over here. So I, I began to see what he meant by that. Whether he was in the body, he couldn't tell because he was still Paul, but I was still Michael. <laughs> okay. Now, so he says here he's going to have visions and revelations. I never believed to have a vision. Let me just say that. I didn't pray. God, i got to have vision. got to have vision because I knew he's a faith God. And that's where my premise of my beginning should start. He's going to do what he says on his word, whether I see anything or not. And if I believe right, it will be seen by me eventually. Amen. All right. Okay. Now let's go back to Acts 2 a minute. I'm just laying a little foundation. I'm going to get in it in a minute. But I think you, these scriptures should help you to see that I'm not a loose cannon. And, of course, I got all kinds of scriptures about what I'm teaching, but I'm just narrowing it down right now. Uh, Acts 2.17 it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, the Amplified Bible, you, can you put up the Amplified Bible of uh, Acts 2.17 for me? The Amplified Classic, if you have it. And uh, Let's see. Uh, yep, it's here. It come to pass in the last days, God declares that I will pour out of my spirit upon all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, or you could even say preach, but it could just be the simple gift of prophecy also. You know, I'm not trying to preach every doctrine thoroughly. I'm just getting somewhere. Telling forth the divine counsels, and your young men shall see visions, divinely granted appearances. So if you're going to have a vision, let me just say it straight, God's going to have to divinely open that up for you, or you're not going to have a vision. I mean, you could have a vision that isn't of God. I mean, the devil will give you a vision whenever you want one. And he'll come like, you know, look like an angel and everything. And uh -huh. if you've ever seen one of them, you would just assume he's right. Yeah. I know Dr. Dufresne had that happen to him. Yeah. And I had some things happen to me one time because I was very sick and I had to take medication for it. All right, I'm just letting you hang with that a minute. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But... You don't, you know, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says ask for that. God did say this to us, so, and I'm still a young man. Yes. That's what I really like about that scripture. <laughs> I'm only 73. I'm just a youngin. Yes. All right. So let's go, now let's go back here. to, uh, And so it's, that's why it's divinely granted. Let's go to Acts uh, 20, 26, 19. Look at this last scripture here, and then we're going to talk further about angels somewhat tonight. I want you to be conscious of them. Whether you see them or not is not the point. Uh, but see, I, just, I, I guess I'm just made up that way. Because I didn't ask for anything along that line. Yeah. Of course, when I was a drug addict, I had a lot of different things I saw, and it wasn't any of it pleasant. A lot of it was demonic stuff and things like that because I wasn't taking care of my spiritual life at all. But here we are in Acts 26. Verse 19, whereupon, O King Agrippa, this is Paul talking to King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. See, visions come from a different world than what we're in, but they can come to us through the Spirit and reveal things to us we might need to know. Are you listening? 
And he said he was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Now, this was 19... I don't even know how many visions I've had, and I'm not trying to brag about it. I'm trying to talk to you. Uh, 1983, I had a vision. I was in Louisville Trinity over there at the church, and I needed a place to pray right when I came in the building, and I was friends with the pastor. I said, I'd like a place to pray. Where should I go? I'm not going to invite you in there with me. Nothing personal. I just need to be alone with God for a few minutes. Go down to the radio room, and you can just lock that door if you want. It's soundproof. You can do scream and pray, holler, whatever you want to do. And when you get done, come upstairs, take a seat in the front, and we'll get you up as soon as we can. I said, okay. I went down there, and I'm sitting. I mean, I'm on my knees, and I got this chair here. had my hands on the two arms for a minute, and then I just put my hands up. And I said, Father, use me tonight. Help me to speak clearly what I need to about these beings. And just all of a sudden, I didn't know what was going to happen. I started drifting out of my body, came through my mouth. At first, it was just like a little cloud. And then when I got away from myself, maybe a few feet, I was me. I'm going to look back, and, uh, you know, my body still knelt like this. And there's one angel on this arm, one angel on that. I didn't care about that right then, so I didn't bother to stop and ask God. you got to give me some credit. I don't know what you'd have done. Maybe you'd have thrown up. Maybe you'd have run out there screaming, or maybe you'd have, I don't know. Don't act like you know if you haven't been there. So I didn't deal with the angels there right then. I, didn't, I just said, well, that's okay. And I'm floating this way forward, and I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm going to end up. Kind of a deal like that. So all of a sudden, I come into this big room like, like this, or maybe twice as big as this sanctuary. And I didn't count them, just to help you know. Because when I say things, people take them so literally, they, they want to pin me back about something. But there was about 1,000 angels in that room. They were all different sizes and different anointings. You know, I've been studying angels just for three years back then. Now I have 42 years under my belt of studying this subject. And I probably taught it, taught it thousands of times when I have opportunity to teach it. It's always the first thing I go to if I'm going to a new church unless they say, we don't want you to talk about angels. Then I could either say, well, I don't think I'm interested in coming in. Or I could just say, well, I've got plenty of other stuff to teach and take it just like that. Okay. I hope you're listening. Not mad at the pastor, but some of them are so protective, they don't even let preachers preach what they need to. And anyway, you know, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I'm just trying to do my job. So all of a sudden, I'm coming to, and I'm in this big room. And let's see, how would I say that? Let's say that I'm the angel that's talking to me. And there was only one angel that talked to me, and they always do that. They don't interrupt each other. They don't ever do that. I like it. Number two, they always call me Michael. Every time. So does Jesus. None of them call me doctor. <laughs> I just thought you'd like to know that. You'd... No. So, let's pretend that, uh, that I'm, I'm kneeling facing this way. And this first angel in the first row, he looks at me. And all the other angels are behind him. I'm at the small end of this sanctuary, but it's like we turned it around. The angels were all behind him. And he said, Michael, we're excited you're teaching about us. For we desire to be involved in the body of Christ, and they won't let us. Man, and when he said those last four words, I, I just went numb. Man. They won't let us. Then all of a sudden, I felt my, my spirit, which was me in the other room with the angel, coming, coming back this way, like I'm flowing back into something. And then I got to my body, I went in my mouth, came down, like you put on a boot or a glove. I got back re reconnected to my flesh. And I thought, oh, my goodness. I know what I saw, but I don't know how to explain that. 
And so the, the people always ask this question, did you go up and tell them about it that night? Heavens, no. <laughs> I didn't even understand everything that happened. Don't be so quick to want to share something if you don't know nothing about it. So I waited four months because I was, trying, I was thinking about that comment. They won't let us. And then it dawned on me one day. I've been meditating on it for four months now. Why would he say that? I knew he wasn't lying to me. I just knew that down here. And he told me that he, him and all these angels were excited, revved up, yeah. ready to take over and help us in our life Amen. and all the stuff we have to do in life with all the goofball stuff that happens out there, all the goofball people. Yeah. <laughs> Bless their heart and stupid heads. And so I don't know what you would have done, but that's what I just kept it between me and the Lord for those four months. Then I was, re I was back thinking about that vision, reading my Bible, and all of a sudden I stood up and said, I must have authority I don't know I have. I never thought about telling an angel what to do. I do now, because I'm in a higher realm than them, and you are too. I know people don't like that. They feel like, you know, I'm, I'm being smart aleck, but I'm not. And if you don't get it, then you're not going to get it. I mean, if you don't get in agreement with that, you're not able to, with any authority, say anything to anybody in that realm that's going to count. You do know you have authority over the devil, don't you? And he's not going to run because you're dressed up or you're dressed down or you're pretty or ugly or fat and skinny. That don't have anything to do with it. You have authority. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I was just thinking how important it is that I'm not disobedient under the heavenly vision. That happened in 1983. I'd been sitting on him three years. And four months later, it dawned on me. I said, oh, I must have authority I don't know anything about. The Lord said, you sure do. And I said, I'm assuming from that comment from you, that means the whole body of Christ got authority too. Absolutely, he said. But you don't ever use it because you never thought you could. So he said, you need to teach him that. I'm not so much teaching on authority, but if you take what I'm saying, you're going to have to have authority. You're going to have to believe in your words you're saying and you can even train yourself. Now, don't do this if you don't have a good marriage. You'll tear that thing wide open. Don't tell your husband he shouldn't have said that. And your wife, you shouldn't talk like that. You know, you'd let them figure it out and just leave it alone. If, you, if they're not going to listen to you without getting in a fight about it, there's no reason to correct her or correct him. You know, I just, I'm just talking. If you have a good marriage, you can talk to each other and people be reasonable. But if you don't, oh, it's like lightning. I'm just talking to you here. So anyway, anyway, let, let, so it was four months, and then I realized that there's something to authority a lot more than what I'm saying. But let me, this is a prophecy by Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen. It was delivered in 1988 at a camp meeting, and he had three angels come and visit him. And one was an angel that involved political arena, another angel that involved financial arena, and the third angel had to talk about the spiritual realm, and he says, in this realm in which you minister, talking to Brother Hagin, and in this realm in which others who minister, like me and some of the others here, in the spirit minister. No, not a change in the church world. That's under, I think that's a phenomenal. The church world's going to stay the same until Jesus comes. They're not going to change for anybody. Even half the people in the Word of Faith churches aren't changing. They're offended when I say that to them. You must have revelation I know not of if you think like that. So it says, there will arise an army. He says that four times. And then he said, these are the beginning of the, the last days. 
and he says, men and women who would be equipped with the power of the Holy Ghost, and they'll learn to walk in the Spirit, Pastor Keith, and they'll learn to join forces with heaven. He always quotes that back to me when I'm around him, and that's good. And the angels will come and minister unto them, and the angels will come and minister with them. So I, I operate in both those things. They've ministered to me before. I had something wrong with my blood. It's a long, long story. I don't want to get too deep in it, but I was a drug addict for three years and shot dope. That was my favorite thing to do, which is not smart because I was tearing my body up and my mind. But, uh, and so years went by. I went to my doctor at first. They tested me. They didn't say I had anything wrong. In fact, I was going to have surgery for something else, and surgeons came in and said, what did you take for your hepatitis C? That was in 1970. Uh, let me think here, seven, 1970. And I said, what do you mean? Are you telling me I have hepatitis C or I'm, I, I, I had it? I said, we're telling you you had it, but it stopped abruptly. You had to take some kind of medicine for that. I said, I didn't take anything. I got born again. In December, this was May of the next year. Hallelujah. We don't know nothing about born again. What did you take? Did you take some you know, chemical stuff? I said, I didn't know I had it until you just told me I had it. I said, well, your enzymes in your liver and your blood all indicate you had it. And it shut itself down, or something shut it down because it stopped. So that was great, except the hepatitis C sometimes hides out in your body for 20, 30 years, then it reappears. And if it reappears, it goes full flame. It tries to destroy your liver. And you know, without a continuous day by day miracle, I know some people that have that, few people in the earth, but normally that's not going to happen. So you, if you don't get rid of it and kill the, the virus, then it's going to devour your liver and you're going to die. So I was in 70, that was in 1970, they first said that to me that I'd had it, but I was, I was getting surgery for something else. That's not important right now to our story. But anyway, 2002 came and I went to my doctor, general checkup, took some blood, called me at home. He never did that. He said, Michael, I'm concerned about your blood. I said, well, shoot straight with me. I can handle it. Well, I... I don't know what's wrong with you, but you're messed up. Your blood's all haywire. I want you to come in tomorrow morning and give me some more blood. I said, I can't. I'm going to a camp meeting in Alabama to see my spiritual father. I know he didn't know, understand that, but I said, I'm going to a meeting because I'm a preacher. You knew that, and I'll be back Monday, and I'll come give you all the blood you want. Well, I wouldn't play with this. It's serious. I said, okay. So I get to the meeting. I'm going to, I have Dr. Dufresne's number in my phone book, I mean in my, my phone, but I didn't bother him about every little thing with me. You know, you know you get, someday you get to get where you don't have to run to somebody constantly. Amen. I'm not proud about that, but I just thought, well, I'd be a grow up about it, you know. So, but I was going to the meeting, so I was going to write a little note. This is Dr. Jacobs to Dr. Dufresne. And we ended up sitting further back, well, somewhere back in there where a guy helps me with the mic all the time, raise your hand. I was that far back, and he got up to preach, Dr. Dufresne. I was going to give this note to an usher, and have, I said, give that to Dr. Dufresne if you have a moment, and ask him to pray for me because my blood's messed up. He, I didn't write a letter. I didn't write that. He, just, he got up to preach, and he kind of got in a stupor. He does that sometimes. I'm starting to do that occasionally, too. And he just went like this, and he just froze in that position for about 45 seconds. And he went like that, and he goes, Dr. Jacobs, where are you at? I said, I'm back here, sir. Stand out in that aisle. I came out in the aisle. I'm still 40 feet away from him, at least. But God shows me there's something wrong with your body. Is that right? I said, yes, sir. Hey, I know you believe in angels, and he kind of chuckled. 
There's one right behind you. He's come to fix that. He's going to take care of that. Hit me on the head and down I went on the carpet. And so I went back Monday and gave the doctor more blood. He said, I don't understand it. You're totally normal. I didn't tell him about the experience. You know, he wasn't up for, you know, spirituality stuff. He's a good man, but he just wasn't up to hear stuff like that. So we're talking here about angels and how that angel touched me and brought healing to my body. And my blood was just all normal again. What a deal. Yeah. Let me say, let me, let me, I'm going to give you a couple of illustrations here, I think, here for, I better hurry up too. I was in Virginia, and uh, Pastor Luke, you were in that meeting with me, you and Jonna, and there's a guy there named Jerry McGee, he's, a, he's a, like a tent preacher or evangelist type preacher, he gets a lot of people saved. And I came that day, he was speaking for the luncheon, and then I was going to speak that night, so he came back to the table after he preached, we were at little round tables like in our fellowship hall. And he said, hey, how are you? I said, good. That was good, good what you said. What's your name? He said, Jerry McGee. I said, well, he said, what's your, I said, Michael Jacobs. He said, you know, I have problems with my spine. Now, you didn't tell him that, did you? And I said, well, that's, you have problems with your spine. I got annoying for spines and bones and stuff like that. I tell you what, if you're, you're going to be in the service tonight, yeah, I'm going to be preaching. I said, when it comes to the place for me to step away from teaching, I'll come back and get you, and I'll lay hands on you, and God will heal your spine. That'd be okay. I'm not going to play like it's the word of knowledge because you told me. Amen. Don't ever do stuff like that to God. You'll be in trouble. <laughs> Even if you try to get away with it, you might get away with it, but you're still in the doghouse until you fix that. Trying to pretend you're real spiritual and you're really, you know, trying to. Yeah, so uh, I was up here preaching on angels. I looked. He was about halfway back. If he had a Bible, I never saw it the whole time I preached. I preached for 50 minutes at least. And every time I looked at him, he looked more mad than, than he was the last time I looked. I thought, I'm plowing his field crooked. You know what that means? I'm talking about things he don't like or doesn't understand or he's mad about. I don't know. So I shut my Bible and I came back to him and said, Jerry, stand down here. And it went like that. Here's that anointing for your spine. And then I stepped back like this. All of a sudden, an angel came around my right hip like this. Stuck his finger down here, lower abdomen. He started rolling something. I said, Jerry, that angel's rolling something down here. He turned around and ran out of the meeting. I thought, man, I really ticked this guy off now. He's giving me bad mugging face, you know, and then, and then he's mad that I'm telling him that, and he went, but I found out later. And so, you know, people like that, I don't let it bother me. Yeah. I just went on ministering what I had for everybody else that I had something for. And he came back in in about five minutes at the back door, and this is the way he looked when he came back. <laughs> and I said, Jerry, what, in the mat what happened to you? He said, well, you probably thought I looked kind of grumpy. I said, yeah, I thought you were really grumpy. He said, well, I have kidney stone, and I haven't went to the restroom for three days. That's why I was in excruciating pain. But when you said I, that angel's moving something, I felt something moving. I went in the men's room, which was right outside. We are in a Marriott Hotel. Went right outside, passed that stone, came back in. He's all thr thrilled about it. <laughs> That's angels ministering with me. When I went to Alabama, the angels, angel ministered to me. Probably one of doctor's angels or one that ran with him, you know, and stuff like that. Just really good. Okay, let's see where I want to go now. Let me look here a minute. Okay, let's, uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about a couple of these experiences I've had. And let's, let me go to, let me find my reference here. Uh, well, let's go back and read Hebrews chapter one a minute. Just give me another minute. And then I'm going to talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, one of those uh, visitations I had uh, in just a minute. I was in this church when I had it. 
And it says here in Hebrews 1, verse 13 and 14, the book of Hebrews is kind of a uh, examination between Old Covenant and New Covenant, and always the New Covenant's better. Just never forget that. So you're in a better covenant than anybody ever had. I don't know of any covenant that's greater, personally. Maybe you do. I don't know about it. So, you know, we're already redeemed. We're just living in a fallen planet right now. And we could walk, you know, upright with the Lord, and we could be protected and all that's in place too. Verse 13 says, But what to, to which of the angels said he didn't sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? He didn't say that to an angel. He's given a comparison. Are they the angels? Verse 14, referring back to of the angels. Are they the angels? Are they not all ministering spirits? Angels have ministries. You know, all these preachers here, we're all in full-time ministry, but we're not clones of each other. You know, some of them are better, much better teachers than me. Here's a teacher superior. Here, there's a preacher superior, and the rest of them have, all have gifts in them too. And, and I'm not even mentioning the gifts of the Spirit that operate through all these people. Are you listening? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it says, just like there's, a, there's apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors, teachers, or ministry of helps is in here too. They all have a job description. They all do certain things. But it is with the angels too. See, they all have, it says, uh, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister? You get the feeling that they want to do something? Yeah. They've come to minister for them, or the word minister could be translated to render service to people. Who shall be heirs of salvation? Let let me read a little different. It's 2,000 years since that's been written. It says, uh, sent forth to minister for those who are the heirs of salvation. We're already there if you're in Christ. Yes, if you're born again, you're an heir now. Amen. And you're not a sub-heir, you're a joint heir. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just showing you that because that's important to know that. Now this up here, it's interesting. I'm mainly talking about visions, but I'm going to start talking a little bit more about healing. It says here, are they not all ministering spirits? I went to the original Noah Webster's dictionary. I don't know if you have one. I think uh, Pastor Alvin bought me one. It weighs about 40 pounds. It's about this thick. And the good thing about it is when Noah Webster was a good Christian man, and he, by, when you look up a scripture or you look up a word in that big volume, he has scriptures out by the, everything he read, wrote. And so when I looked up this word in ch- chapter 1, verse 14, ministering, it said it's to give aid or service to the sick. That's what he wrote in that big dictionary. And then I further went on with the Greek, Greek too, of that word ministering. And it says to function publicly as a benefit. Mm. Function publicly as a benefit. I remember a lot of times that we we had a guy in our church named Larry one time. And bless his heart, I liked him. He was kind of in and out, you know, and stuff. He'd been shot, been stabbed, and. One time I was saying, talking about him, and my wife was sitting here. I said, I'm kind of like him. I haven't been shot or stabbed, but I'm a bodybuilder. And she just roared. <laughs> she said, you're a bodybuilder? They picked up on my mic, and everybody laughed at me with her. We had a good relationship. You loved it. I had to go home with her. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just teasing. We had a good time. People loved it when we zing one another. But anyway. Uh, I'm just saying that to say this has to do with healing too. Angels are involved in that. I'm going to read you something about that in just a minute. So it says something to function publicly as a benefit. Well, that, everybody in that room that night, there was 80 people probably there, Luke and John, or wasn't there, in that Marriott Hotel. 
And when he came back in, he was just all smiles. And people remember what he looked like when he came in and sat down. But that angel took care of that kidney stone. Amen. How can he do that? He can do things you can't do. He's a spirit. He's in a superior dimension. He's not superior in authority to us, but he's in a different dimension. That's why I can reach inside somebody, take something out, put something in. Yeah, I've had him do both. The lady, I don't know if she's not here tonight. Tonight, I don't think she goes here anymore. Had female problems, was laying over here on a Wednesday night after I taught on angels, and I, I, I didn't even ask her what she needed. I just came up and laid hands on her, and she fell out. We used to have a lot of steps here, and so I went back up on the platform for a minute behind this, and all of a sudden looked over there, and something's moving down here in her lower abdomen. I can see her hands. They put a cloth over, you know, cloth ladies to cover them up. And I just thought, man, that's odd. I'm not going to run up to her when she gets conscious and ask her a stupid question. I'm just going to let her, I'm going to let her go for a couple of weeks. And then I got her in the, in the foyer one day, and I said, hey, Kim, come here a minute. Would you mind telling me what happened to you a couple of Wednesday nights ago? I saw something moving down here in your lower abdomen. Would you mind telling me? If it's too personal, you don't have to. Well, I'll tell you this much. It was feminine, female problem. And so what happened? Well, when I, when I fell out in the floor, two angels flew in. One of them had put his hand inside of me, took out the bad part. The angel on this side had a replacement part and stuck it in me. And I, I haven't seen her for a while, but I know when I did talk to her, it was seven years later, she'd never had another problem. Amen. No, no surgery. No scar. You know, they could do a lot of things to help us. So anyway, we're just talking about some things here for a minute. And then, you know, I think you've heard a lot of these. I don't know. Let me see. Costa Rica, I went there. Pastor Dennis, you were with me. I had a little boy in my service. He was the grandson to the man that asked me to come. I think that's right. And he, you know, we were in not a church, but in some kind of facility. And he was standing about, I was preaching. He was standing about this far away from me. And he, he didn't even realize how he sounded. You know, he's born like this, but this is the way he breathes. And that went on for an hour. I probably should think back. I should have came over in 10 minutes and said, can I help you? What's the matter here? But I didn't. But at the end, I gave an invitation for breathing problems. And a very elderly lady at the time, I was only, I don't know, 55 or 60. And a very old lady, about 80-some years old, got, came up and said, I've had lung problems my whole life. And that's the first time this angel showed up, the one I'm going to tell you about. He only does lungs. He's got like a laser comes out of this finger. And... He just went across her chest like this, and he, because I was in the spirit, I could see there was problems in the lungs, like a different color than they should have been. And he just erased all that with his finger, and then she fell out. So then this young boy comes over to me, and he gets in line, because he's got that, you know, I mean, it sounded like a machine over here. He really serious. Do you remember that, Dennis? And, I, and then that angel, I said, he, he, I said, the angel's fixing him, whoever he belongs to. And he just fell out. I just, we, we were done with the service. We left, and they left. And the mother came to me that night and said, when they got home, we were all eating. There were about 10 kids in that family. He was standing over the corner like this going. And, and mom said, Jose, what's going on? He said, I'm breathing, mama. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's what we're talking about, how angels help us. Now, he, the one that does lungs, that's all he does. not doesn't do mouth and teeth or legs or ears. Just does He's, some of the angels work with me are multi-talented, and this one, it's just a single thing he does. But he does a great job. Every time he does it, people get healed. <laughs> I had one lady get a new lung. I had a man get two new lungs. You know, in a lifetime here, last 10 years or something. 
Anyway, I'm just talking. Anyway, let's see where I want to go here. Okay, let's go back to verse uh, 14 again. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation, or as I changed it, who are the heirs of salvation? Now, the Weymouth translation of verse 14 says, he says that angels are a benefit to us. They're a benefit. Now, you know, people just in the natural, you go to sign up at, what is that called, human resources in a company? You want to be interviewed, and you're going to ask some questions. I mean, if you only had third-grade education, maybe your mother would tell you, ask how much you make an hour. Ask, is there any other perks to this job? They have medicine for you. I mean, do they have you know insurance, or do they have dental care, eye care, stuff like that? Because you want to know what's going to be available and the benefits of this. But here, Weymouth calls these angels benefits. I think that's for me. Why would anybody in the body of Christ not want to benefit? I don't understand that. I know it doesn't say that in English right now, but I'm telling you what Weymouth translated it. And we go, we can go back. We don't have to go there right now. Psalm 103. It says, uh, let's see. Forget not the Lord and all his benefits. And before you get out of that whole chapter, it talks about angels in verse 20 and 21. So an angel that works with you or helps you, he's a benefit to you. It says here, it's an, he's an aid and a help to you. The Amplified Bible says in verse 14 that the angel is an assistance to you. They bring assistance to you. I mean, there's all kinds of things here. We don't worship angels. See, you might think because you heard me talk about this a lot, those of you that have been around me, but there's hundreds of other messages I've taught on all kinds of things. You know, I was a pastor for almost 40 years. You got to teach everything to the church when you're like that because you can't just live on angels. We don't have to do that now. <laughs> and, you know, there's other things I do teach, like, you know, the gifts of the Spirit and things like that, the covenant some, and uh, the anointing some, things like that, but... I'm just honed in on this right now, so I'm going to stay with it tonight for a little while. So we're seeing that there's a lot to these angels. And then let's pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 2. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, least at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast in every transgression, and the people that disobeyed that, and disobedience receives a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Are you listening to me? Now, I hope you don't mind me. Uh, where's Pastor Sonny at? Is he here? You know, I hope you don't mind me saying this because, you know, he had a terrible accident on a skiing accident coming down a mountain and plowed into a rock. I think it flipped him to that rock like that. And there happened to be a volunteer fireman standing close by where that happened. He came over and turned him over because he wasn't drowned in his own blood, something like that. It was a very serious injuries he had all through his body. And, but we went and talked about it. I went out to pray for him. Of course, Les, this is Les and Mary right back here. It's their son. And I called Les when uh, he told me about it. Les told me about it. And I said, I'll call you back in a few minutes. I'm going to go pray. And I prayed, and God gave me a scripture. I think it was Psalm 41, something like that. He, he would not die. Something like that, Psalm 41. Anyway, I may not have said it exactly, but it had that implication. So I called Les back and said, he's going to make it. Going to make it. I know that much. So I flew out too, and they were already out there. And I think somebody went with me. I don't know, Jacob maybe, and Steve. Did you go with me on that trip? Yeah. And we went out there. I just every day it was like an emergency. I mean, they had nurses everywhere all around him. He's just, you know, really beat up pretty bad. 
And so, but he told me later when he told the story, now I had him give the whole testimony here before. It was a wonderful testimony. But this is what he said at the end. I knew down here God told me not to go. Secondly, he said he never wore a helmet when he skied. And said that day his friend said, I think you need a helmet. Wasn't something like that. And I think he, I don't know if he argued with you, but he insisted to buy you a helmet. And like he said, if he hadn't had the helmet on, he probably would have never made it. Because I don't know how fast he's going down a mountain, but it's a mountain. He's kind of a risky guy, too, you know. <laughs> Hope you don't mind me telling that. That's important that you listen down here. That's what I'm saying. So anyway, praise the Lord. Now, I want to talk to you for a little bit here about this 2008 uh, vision I had. We, Dr. Dufresne was here preaching, and it was 2008. And it says, let me say, it says August. So it was in the month of August here. And, you know, I was sitting here, my wife was there, and Dr. Dufresne, Pastor Nancy. Well, he said, I want to pray for all the preachers. Come on up. I don't know if the, how many other people were in it. But I came up like this and, and stood there, and, he, you know, he hit me in the head. Didn't hit me. He touched me, and I went down. But, you know, I, my personal attitude is I don't, I'm not up there to take a nap, but I don't do this to people either. You know, if you do that with me, I'm not going to hurt you, but I'm not, I might just pass you by. Unless you tell me you got a broken hip already, then I'd understand that. But people are so touchy about stuff. Anyway, I went somewhere. And I was gone. My wife said about 35 minutes. That's the longest time I've ever awake that I can think of away from my body. I've had other experiences, but that was probably the longest one time. And so just immediately when I left here, I said, I left here. My body's still laying there. <laughs> and I left here, and I said, am I in heaven, Lord? And he said, no, but pay attention. I want to tell you something. Okay. So I wasn't in heaven, but I wasn't in hell, and I wasn't at this church anymore either. Where'd you go? I don't know where I was at. I just know I was safe. And I'm laying flat in this wherever I ended up being, just like I was laying flat here, but I was facing kind of this way, down like this. And all of a sudden, I don't know how long it took, maybe two or three minutes, eight angels flew in. And they lined up on each side of me, four here and four there. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And they kind of faced each other. They weren't worshiping me, and they weren't protecting me at that moment. I didn't need to be protected from anything. They didn't talk to me. I didn't talk to them. And I'm thinking, okay, he said he's going to show me something. I laid there a few more minutes, and all of a sudden, from my peripheral vision, my left eye here, I saw this creature come up over a hill, like a little knoll. And I first saw his hands come up, and then I saw his head come up, and he was a demonic creature. He had a big, big old head, looked demonic, ugly, and re really intimidating, let me say that. Then he brought his whole body up over there. He looked like a gorilla from the neck down, but he had this obvious-looking head that was demonic. And he saw me. I, I remember the moment he saw me and I saw him, and he took off running at me as fast as he could. And I'm, I'm trying to get things regulated in my, my mouth that say something. And all I got out was in the, I'm going to say in the name of Jesus, I bind you, I break your authority. <laughs> I only got in the out. And the angel on this side, down by my right foot, when he came in, he didn't have any armament on. No axes, no swords, no bow. All of a sudden, he stood at his feet. He had a bow, and he went like this to grab an arrow, and he went, shoop, hit that creature right in the chest. He dissipated. You know, etch a sketch, those little red things you drew with? That's what it looked like to me, like somebody shook it and it just disappeared. Then yeah. I said to the Lord, you can't kill a demon with an arrow, can you? And then he responded, he can. 
When I said to him, why do I need him? I have that angel you gave me when I was born. Do I not? Yeah, you have him. But he's special for you because of the prophet's ministry. And these are the kind of creatures going to come after you now. And I didn't know whether to say thanks or oh my God. (laughs) I'm just being honest. Yeah. So he said he's going to be with you until you come to heaven. So I never send him away from me. Him or the other one that's been with me since I was born. The others I send out to do different things to help me. But anyway, I'm just talking to you here. So 2017, which was almost 10 years later, right? It had been 218, it had been 10 years, is that they showed up in 208. Uh, I went through that year, and I remember two times in that year I felt apprehensive internally, like I had a death threat on me. And it, it bothered me, of course, and I took authority over it both times. But nothing ever came to it. I just took authority. Because, you know, when you feel weird, you need to stop and pray a little bit, folks. You don't just keep driving forward and thinking, well, that's nothing. If it's nothing, it wouldn't have came. <laughs> and if you're spiritual enough, you could get hold of that, even if it's just the rim of it, and then pray it out or pray to God and say, show me what's going on, Father. So I got down to December that year, and I said, Father, I want to thank you for those two times that you delivered me. He said, two, there was six. Then I felt really stupid. Listen to me. And he said, Michael, what difference would it have made if it was 60 or 6? I told you he'd take care of that for you. Yeah. Didn't I? Yes, sir, you did. And he took care of that for you. It didn't even get close enough to me to make me upset down here or make me wonder, what in the world's going on? So anyway, I'm just talking to you here. I'm not trying to be, I'm not stretching anything. <laughs> no, evangelistically, I'm not, that's not what I'm doing. And then, then just recently, not too far back, I'm going to get more of this 2008 vision to you. There's a lot more to it if you just give me a few more minutes. Uh, I went to, I, I kept going by a Catholic bookstore in Louisville. That Lord said, I want you to go in there and shop. Okay, you want me to go into there and shop in a Catholic bookstore? Okay, did I hear you right? Yeah. And I didn't do it that day, but I kept driving back and forth. And I kept seeing that Catholic bookstore. And he said, I told you I want you to go in there. <coughs> so I went in. And so I went in there and I bought the Apocrypha. Paul, I bought the Apocrypha. I used to have one. Somehow I misplaced it. I don't have it anymore. I was just going to check how many references were in the Apocrypha of Angels. So I'm still reading it. I haven't got it all worked out yet. But I was in that store, and the computer had shut down. And there was a lady and her children over here. And the lady finally got the computer, (coughs) excuse me, to work. And she said to me, would you mind if I do them first? They've been standing longer than you. And I said, that's fine. I'm going to go over here. There's a cabinet over here. It's got some stuff in it I'd like to check out. It was all glass cabinet with doors on it. They had, uh, you know, angelic beings in there looking, you know, thing. And so I got up there, and I'm looking at this one angel because he's got this bow out like this. But he's in the cabinet where his back's not showing to me. <laughs> so she came over finally and said, can I help you? I said, yeah, you see that one? <coughs> Excuse me, with the bow? Yeah, turn him where I can see his back. She turned it around. I said, you know, I know that guy. He helped me one time. <laughs> The Catholic people were going, (laughs) running all over that store, thinking I'm a nut. I said, I know that guy. He delivered me from something one time. And they I was just carried away. So I bought him. And I bought another angel that day. I may go back and buy some more. No, I'm not weird. And I don't have it on the hood of my car, okay? (laughs) 
Excuse me, Paul. I'm not making fun. I'm just talking. He's good with me back here. Hallelujah. Yeah, and I, he had that quiver, and I, I, I just keep him. I think he's in my office where I keep him right now. And, but it's just such a remembrance. And then what affected me is somebody that's an artist, some, of some using metal and making these figurines. It looks so detailed. It was in the same color outfit that I saw him come in in. But he had armament on then when I saw him when he stood up. When he came in, he didn't have any armament on him. He just had this chain mall stuff. Went from his neck down to his feet. But that changed during the vision. Oh, hallelujah. Now, it's interesting. I was talking to the Lord when I'm in that vision. And I mean, I talked two-thirds of the way through it, and I was gone for 35 minutes. So finally when I got, well, let me tell this first. Doctor, when I got up, doctor and Pastor Nancy and my wife, we went back and had something to eat. I don't remember eating that night. But when they were ready, they all got in my car, Dad and Pastor Nancy, me and Diane, and shut the door shut. As soon as the door shut, Dad said, what would you see, Michael? I know you saw something. I said, yes, sir, I'm going to tell you. And if you tell me it's foolishness, I'll just forget it. I told him every detail I just told you. He said, no, that's God. Those angels are assigned to you now. That's why they came to you. You need to figure out what all of them do. He said, did anything, anything else happen? I said, no, just the one that defended me. And, you know, he told me later he has an angel that joined him later in life to defend him as a prophet, too. So, you know, it's not unheard of. Right. You know, it's not something you learn down at the 7-Eleven store, but, you know. <laughs> so when I finally got Diana home after they got out, I said, did you not hear me talking? Michael, you looked like you, were, you weren't snoring, but you looked like you were out. I was out. I was out of the building. I was somewhere in another dimension. And you didn't hear me say anything? No. Nope. Well, then that proved further I knew I was in another dimension because she couldn't hear me. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, I just think that's wonderful. Yeah. That's just wonderful. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I'll tell a little bit more here just for a second, and then I'm going to pray for people. Uh, I think it was about four weeks later, six weeks later, I'm not sure. I was at home by myself. Diana must have been coming up to church to talk to Donna or something. And I'm tying my shoes, and I hear some noise, and it was these two angels that were with me at, at the altar that night. And they come into my room, and they stood there, and I said, you're, and they finished my sentence. I said, you're, I said, you're two. I was going to say, you're two of the eight. And they said, we're two of the eight. Finish my comment for me. I said, okay, what do you want? You, know, you always remember, angels don't come to fellowship with you. Yeah, they're not going to have a scone at Starbucks and drink lattes, okay? That's not a God thing. That's a devil thing. You know. But anyway, I said, oh, so what do you need to say to me? Because I know you're not here just to gaze at me or something. They said, God told us to come to you and talk to us about our part with you in the healing ministry. Well, say on. Well, when you're in the spirit and minister to people, we will come help restore and repair people's bodies. And he didn't put any addendum on that, so I just took it straight across the board. Then they would have the ability to heal a lot of different things that I, I'm not going to mention. And they have since then. And I didn't mean that everybody I pray for gets healed. There's their side too. You know, angels are angels, but they're not going to force something on you. If you're not receptive to things like that. Okay, praise the Lord. So that's, that's just powerful. I just felt like I was... Now, let me give you something else here that's interesting. And uh, this, this was from Jay Everly, and it really had to do with what Pastor Nancy told him 
uh, when she was at his church, you know, I wasn't at that meeting, but she went to the hotel that day. And of course, she had me out to her church. I think it was 2000 and uh, I don't know, maybe 2012 or 2010. I don't remember. I went there to preach on angels. And uh, so, <clears throat> you know, dad was still in, in the earth then. And so she, she began to talk to, uh, I wasn't in the meeting when she, dad had already gone home and Pastor Nancy was there ministering at Jay Everly's, which is in Iowa. And she took one day, I think that's that right, to pray about these angels because she knew they didn't go home. They didn't go back to heaven. They're not needed there. They're needed here. That's why they're on the earth. And she, and she said, the Lord said to her, remember the hundred angels that, op that operated with your husband in the healing ministry. There was a hundred healing angels with him on a plane. And God told him to turn around. He saw him in the spirit. Nobody else saw that, I'm sure. You remember that testimony that... He came off the airplane uh, years ago, and God said to him, uh, he was on a commercial flight. He turned around, and he saw those 100 angels, two, two by two, 50 deep. He said, God, what are these? And he said, these are healing angels dispatched to work with you in the healing ministry. Then God said to me, to Pastor Nancy, 100 healing angels are still here on the earth. That's what the, God was speaking to her. They didn't go back to heaven when they had left. Their assignment is on the earth, and he said to me, now 50 are with you, and he was talking to me and assigned to me. He said 50 of them, and I said, what about the other 50? And he said they were assigned to other ministries that I imparted to. And he said to, to me, such as Ricky Edwards, Michael Jacobs, and Jay Everly. That's what he said to me that night. Then she goes on a little further here. Let's see. By saying that they, these are angels that work with you in the healing ministry and by telling people, listen, about the angels that work with your ministry. I just told you three already. You know, and there's others that do different things too, but those three mainly. Um, I haven't got time to go much deeper now. I've already been preaching an hour, it says. How was that so? I don't know. Pick that clock, will you? <laughs> and it says... Uh, they work with him in the healing ministry. And said, so by telling people about the angels that work with your ministry, by giving them the proper attention, that is the angels, and recognizing by telling people that they are there, and I'm telling you they're here tonight. Because they work with me. They, they travel with me. Let me say it that way. If I'm sounding casual, it's not because I don't respect what they do or that whatever. But you have to realize I've been walking with these angelic beings for a long, long time now. And so anyway... And this is what she said, uh, telling people that they're there, give them permission to do what they came to do. They can do more if the people release their faith. That would be you if you need something tonight uh, for them to work. But you have to tell the people about them working with your ministry for them to have faith, for you to have faith. Just like Jesus told Brother Hagin that he had to tell the people, Jesus appeared to him and placed the finger of his hand in the palm of each hand, that's with Brother Hagin, so the ministry of angels won't work without you telling the people that they're there to work with you. I said, there's another thing. I hadn't, remembered, I hadn't seen that before in print ever. So I really appreciate Pastor Jay making me a copy of this. And then she talked a little bit about angels. I've known this a long time. They replace body parts and reach in people's bodies to fix things. I don't know if you remember Joyce and Vince, but she was right up in this area one night. We taught on angels for 15 Wednesday nights in a row back in 95, I think it was. It could have been a little bit later. I mean, not so far back. 
But I said, well, you need, she said, I need a new heart. I said, let it be so, Father. And then she fell out, and I just went on. Well, I didn't know the lady had a bad heart. She, she was new to my church, her and her husband, and she had a serious heart problem. And she was really, uh, they said they couldn't fix it. So she said, she told me this two weeks after that happened, said energy entered my chest when I fell out. And when I could finally stand up, I went back and sat by my husband. And he said, what is that coming out of you? And she said, well, it's probably the anointing. Dr. Jacobs just laid hands on me. I feel something in here. Some energy, something. So I went home and I stayed two weeks. That stayed in my chest. Finally, I went back to my regular doctor. He checked me. He said, uh, Joyce, I think something's happened to you. Go see the cardiologist people. So she went back to them and they took film. All that stuff, I don't know what she took to get the film, but he took her in a room where they have lighted, lights behind something. He stuck this one piece up and came back, stuck a piece there, and said, now this is, this is your heart you have now, and this is the heart you had a month ago. That's not the same heart. Come on now. <laughs> he would know he's his do her doctor, and he's got the film of what her heart looked like a month earlier. So God stuck a new heart in her. Hallelujah. So that was really interesting. Well, I don't have much have more time, I don't think so here. Let me say a little comment here that will help us all. When you start believing in the ministry of angels, you will start having more manifestations of their ministry. You have to start believing in them. And I'm asking you to believe in something you can't see, but you believe in Jesus. Have you seen him in the flesh? <laughs> you know, and if you haven't, then you're walking by faith there. You don't, you believe it in something you can't see at the moment. So just remember what I'm saying there and let that minister to you. Yeah, praise the Lord. Now, I'd like you to stand up with me. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacob's travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.